We are up to Mitzvah number 99, and today we're going to do Mitzvah number 99 and 100 and 101. And we are still dealing with the tabernacle and the vessels, and we talked about the lighting of the menorah, and we talked about the table and the showbreads, and now we're going to focus on the garments, the vestments of the priest and the high priest. So Mitzvah number 99 is the Mitzvah for the Kohanim, the priests, and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, to wear the special garments, the special vestments of the priests. And related to that, we have Mitzvah number 100, which specifically relates to the breastplate, to the Choshen. It has to be stable upon the chest of the of the Kohen Gadol, and how it connects to the apron-like garment, to the ephod. And then there is Mitzvah number 101, which is regarding the robe, the me'il of the high priest, that it cannot be torn. Now, to help y'all with the visuals, I actually have this book here in front of me, which is called The Mishkan. It's Structure and Sacred Vessels. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you're not with us over here, then you're not going to have as interesting or comprehensive an overview, but we're going to go through uh, some of the pictures here just to get a visual. It's kind of hard to explain the words sometimes, so we'll try to use this uh, to get a visual of the vestments. So mitzvah number 99 is the mitzvah for the kohanim, for the priests, to wear the special garments when they're in the temple, when they're in the tabernacle, when they do the service of the sacred service done in the, in the sanctuary, they must be properly garbed. The regular ordinary Kohen with their specific set of garments. And of course, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, and his specific vestments as well. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, the book that we are using to navigate through the 630 mitzvos, he gives us a wonderful overview of the vestments. And he tells us that there are three categories of garments for the Kohanim, for the priests. Number one, you have the ordinary Kohen and the four garments of the ordinary Kohen. And they are the tunic, the pants, the hat, and the belt. So we'll look at it here in the picture. It will show us what it looks like uh, in this book, which is published by Art Scroll. They have, uh, they go through all the pictures of all the steps of, of writing it, um, all the steps of constructing it. And, uh, and how it looks. So I'm just flipping through these uh, pages. I know it sounds riveting on the radio to listen to me flip through the pages. Uh, so what does it look like? Let's see. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So here's a tunic. Looks like just a, you know, a nice kaftan. Long, made out of wool. I'm sorry, made out of linen. And this is the, uh, the turban, the hat. Can you see that? It's a nice-looking, snazzy-looking hat. And then you have the avnate, which they call a sash. It means like a belt. And then there's the uh, the michnasayim. They call it breeches, which is a fancy word for pants. <laughs> kind of like short pants that you would that would go under the tunic. So these are the four garments of the ordinary priest. Pretty pretty cool. You will notice the three of them are white, which means they're made out of linen. And one of them is multicolored. It's made out of linen and other things. An interesting note you'll notice 
if you read the verses, that this is actually made out of shotness. It's a mixture of wool and linen. And because the Torah tells us specifically to make it out of what would ordinarily be a prohibited mixture, the ordinary coin is allowed to wear it so long as they're doing the avoda, so long as they're doing the service. So they're allowed to wear it because the Torah specifically says that they're allowed to wear it. Otherwise, uh, it would be prohibited because you are not allowed to wear, uh, you're not allowed to wear shotness, you're not allowed to wear a mixture of wool and linen. So those are the garments of the ordinary priest. And then the high priest has an additional set of garments. And they are, here we go. Just flipping through here. You'll forgive me for, uh, so first of all, you see the exquisite, uh, makeup of the threads. You know, the, uh, the specific threads, which is red wool and linen and purple wool and blue wool mixed with some gold. It's a very exquisite looking fabric. And that is used to make the aphode. Let's see. Here we go. This shows you the whole get up. So this is the A foot on the bottom. And then there's the, the ma'il, which is the, which is the, what's known as the robe, which is made out of completely tcheles. And then you have the, the name, the name, uh, the name of God on a, on a plaque on top of his forehead. And then you have the hat, uh, on, on, on top of the head, which is a little bit different between the, High priest and the ordinary priest. And finally, you have the Choshen, which is the breastplate upon which the special stones are inlaid in the, uh, in the brackets. And, uh, it's connected via these gold chains. It's connected to the aphode, which kind of straps over the shoulders. An apron that has like suspenders and it has shoulder straps. And then it has brackets. And of course, there are the two stones, the what's known as the Avni Shoham, the Shoham stones that go on the shoulder pads, and then it connects via a gold chain towards the Choshen, thus affixing the Choshen in place. So that's kind of the, the basic layout of the garments, the eight garments of the high priest. It's the four garments of the ordinary priest. It's the four garments of the ordinary priest, plus the additional garments, the gold garments of the high priest. I did find this very interesting that the special hat of the Kohenga doll it was actually a turban. It was some, you know, a cloth fabric that you wrapped around the head. And I didn't know this, but it was actually around 30 feet long. If you unwrapped that cloth and it was just wrapped around and around and around and around and it was until it became like a turban. But to me, that was really interesting. It's 16 amos. An amma is almost, almost think of it simply as two feet. So it's 16 amos. It's around 30 feet of fabric that is wrapped around the head of the Kohen Gadol and thus making that turban, that, that hat. Now, the four special gold garments of the high priest are never worn into the Holy of Holies. The Talmud tells us that gold is a problem, especially for Aaron, because gold sometimes evokes the golden calf. And therefore, in Yom Kippur, when the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies once a year, he does not wear the four gold vestments because you don't want to have 
a prosecuting force when he's trying to be an advocate. He's trying to be an advocate on behalf of the Jewish people, and therefore there's no gold in the Holy of Holies. And thus the Talmud tells us, or the Torah tells us, that on Yom Kippur there are special white and linen garments that the Kohen Gadol wears into the Holy of Holies, and thus he's switching garments the whole day. Every time he walks into the Holy of Holies, he swaps out the gold garments for the white garments. He leaves the Holy of Holies, which happens uh, several times on Yom Kippur. He leaves the Holy of Holies and he's switched back into the gold garments because all the work that the Kohen Gadol does outside of the Holy of Holies must be done with the eight garments of the high priest, including the gold garments. Another interesting thing, and by the way, there's a lot of interesting things in this mitzvah. The garments that the Kohen Gadol wears on Yom Kippur are never reused. You would think that maybe you recycle it, you know, use it. If you're a, you're a Kohen Gadol for five years, you would just use it every year on Yom Kippur, but they are never reused. Every Yom Kippur, he gets a new set of white garments. And the commentaries explain that Yom Kippur, it's a time where we have all our sins forgiven. The Kohen Gadol, he's the advocate on behalf of the Jewish people. And he beseeches God for expiation. And in fact, all our sins are forgiven. And the forgiveness is so total that we assume that we'll never have any more blemishes. We'll never have any more sins. And therefore, to kind of reinforce that, the garments that he used are put away as if to say we'll never need that again. There's even a tradition in uh, certain communities that the special prayer book that we use on Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av, we mourn the temple and the downfall of the Jewish commonwealth, and we mourn it. And we hope that the following year we'll have a temple, we'll have the reestablishment of Jewish hegemony, and we won't need to mourn. And therefore, there's a tradition to actually use it only once and put it away. So we'll never need this again to kind of reinforce the idea that our prayers and our crying and our mourning will actually be successful. And therefore, we won't need those prayer books ever again. Now, if a Kohen or a Kohen adult does not wear the requisite garments, it's not their style. They want the three Adidas stripes on the side. Theirs got dirty, whatever. If they don't wear it, then all their service is invalid. So if they brought sacrifices, those sacrifices would not be valid. Moreover, they're actually guilty of a capital crime. And this is not one of the capital crimes that a Jewish human court would adjudicate. It will be adjudicated by the heavenly court. But that is how severe such a behavior is. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, he always gives us an understanding of what the mitzvah is. You know, what's the reason why we have to have these special garments? And he tells us that, you know, the Kohen is a representative of the nation. And he has to channel all his energy to doing the service on behalf of the people. And therefore, it's appropriate for him to have special garments to remind him of his role and what he needs to do when he is in the temple, in the tabernacle, 
working on behalf of the nation. It makes an impression. If you're wearing special garments, you're putting on, it's like a uniform, right? You put on the uniform uh, like the athletes, right? They all wear the uniform to know that you are someone who has a specific job and a specific role. And you were chosen for this to know what you're here to do. And it gets your attention. It keeps you on point when you are doing the sacred, sacrosanct work of the temple. I want to go through some interesting ideas that we picked up here about the garments of the high priest. So first of all, the verse tells us that Moshe was told to make garments for Aaron, for honor and for glory. And the Ramban, the Ramban says that all these garments are the garments of royalty, garments of a king. And it's really interesting that he goes through every one of the eight garments of the high priest and he proves from scriptural sources that each one of them is associated with the king. And thus they're not just random garments that were chosen arbitrarily. They are garments that kind of give us an understanding of what this individual is supposed to do. Now the Talmud tells us that these garments actually provide atonement. We know you bring a sacrifice and the spiritual blemish that you had previously is cleansed. We know that. The Talmud notes that there is a juxtaposition between sacrifices, where they appear in the Torah, and the vestments, the garments of the high priest, to tell you that just as sacrifices provide atonement, so too the garments of the high priest provide atonement. Just by the Kohen Gadol wearing those garments, there is atonement extended to the nation. Specifically, Talmud tells us, the tzon is the tunic that cleanses the spiritual blemishes brought about by murder. And the breeches, the pants, that cleanses the spiritual blemish brought about by promiscuity. And the turban, that cleanses the spiritual blemish brought about by aloofness and haughtiness. And the sash, the belt, that cleanses the bad thoughts that people have in their heart. And the choshen, the breastplate, that atones for poor judgment, quite literally, a judgment that was done incorrectly. And the apron, like garment, the aphod, atones for idolatry. And the me'il, the robe that has on the bottom of the robe pomegranates and bells and ringers, and it makes a lot of noise, that atones for noisy sins, namely Lashon Hara. And finally, that sits the plaque that goes on the forehead of the Kohen Gadol that atones for brazenness. Now, it's an interesting idea that the garments of a high priest will provide atonement. What is the idea behind garments providing atonement? So the Maharal says that these garments are garments of royalty. We have very distinguished, noble, spiritual aristocrats amongst us. And the reason why we sin is because we forget how special we are. 
We forget that we are, in fact, princes and princesses. We're royalty. And the only way someone can make such a blunder to violate the will of God is if they think they're ordinary, they're a layperson, they're allowed to do what bums and hoodlums do. But if you're a prince, you must be dignified. You must walk with a with an air of nobility. You're distinguished. You're important. You're a prince. If you have that attitude, you're not going to sin. And these garments remind us of that, and therefore they are fixing the root cause of sin. Which, by the way, the Talmud tells us that any person that is promoted, nominated to an important position, all their sins are expunged. And the reason? Because the only reason why you did that sin is because you thought you were a small person. You thought you were a small person. And therefore you could behave in a fashion befitting a small person. But now that you're elevated, you're an important person, you're a bigger person, you're a more important person, now you wouldn't do those sins. And therefore now those sins, because the root cause of that is taken away, the effect of that is taken away as well. Now specifically we're told that the aphod, which is again those the apron-like garment, that goes on the back and then kind of swings over the, the top of the shoulders, that atones for idolatry. And perhaps the idea is, is that it places kind of stones on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol. And it acts almost like a yoke upon him. And we are told that our commitment to our Creator is akin to a yoke. Just like an animal has a yoke on its back and it's submitted it's subjugated to the wills and the whims of the person leading it, so too us to God. And whenever we cast off that yoke and we accept the yoke of others, that is idolatry. And thus perhaps the aphod is reminding us of that yoke and our submission to God, and thus that helps us atone and fix for our relinquishing of that yoke. Now, the choshen, which is the breastplate, that, we're told, atones for corruption of judgment. Now, there's an interesting backstory to how Aaron merited to have the choshen, to have the breastplate. The Torah tells us in the book of Exodus, chapter 3 and chapter 4, that Moshe was told, go save the Jewish people, and he said no. And he launched a whole series of objections saying that he's not qualified for that role. And his final objection is, don't send me, send Aaron, my older brother, instead. And God gets angry at him. And God says to him, you're worried about Aaron? You think Aaron is going to be envious of you? Aaron not only will be happy for you, not only will he extend his delight to you, he is going to be happy in his heart. He's not going to say, oh, I'm so happy for you. And then his heart is like, oh, I'm going to kill you. No, he's legitimately and genuinely happy for you, even in his heart. Aaron is the one person that is completely free of any envy, completely delighted and joyous for the success and the triumphs of others. And because Aaron was happy and glad in his heart, therefore he got the special choshen that goes upon his heart. 
And the Talmud tells us that this atones for corruption of judgment. What does a righteous judge look like? Someone like Aaron, who genuinely cares about every person and genuinely wants to see other people succeed. When the Kohen Gadol wears this special garment, really, this adornment to his heart, that is the quality needed, that invokes the quality needed for righteous judgment. Corruption of judgment happens when people start to get involved and to prefer this candidate or this litigant over the other one, that's where things go wrong. If you're like Aaron and you love everyone and you, and you genuinely want to see the success of other people, then you could be a righteous judge. Now, upon the 12 special stones, the Avne Meluim, which were inlaid in the golden brackets upon the breastplate, upon that you have etched the names of the 12 tribes. In addition, you have the names of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the words Shifte Yeshurun, which means the tribes of God. And thus, if you look at the spelling of the names of the 12 tribes, you have the word Reuven, Reuben. And it's spelled with, it's spelled with five letters, right? Resh, Aleph, Vav, Avez, and Anun. On the Choshen, there was an additional letter, the Aleph, which is the Aleph of Abraham. And if you do the math, what you'll end up with is that all 12 of those stones had six letters apiece. And it spelled out the names of the 12 tribes. And all the additional available letters, for example, the, 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 the name Levi, Levi, it's only three letters. So there were three additional letters to help make up the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Shifte Yeshurun. And thus there was a total of 72 letters, which, as you may or may not know, is a very important number. That is kind of the letters of the name of God, or one of the names of God. And that was the makeup of the letters upon the Choshen. Now, inside the back flap of the Choshen, there was the Urim and the Tumim, which what exactly it means is a discussion amongst the commentators. But simply put, or I would say the consensus, is that it had the writing of the name of God on a parchment. And that would elevate the Choshen into an item used for prophecy. And if there was a question that was submitted, let's say, by the Sanhedrin or by the king or by one of the tribes, it could be extended to the Kohen Gadol. And that question would, using the magic of the Urim and the Tumim, it would illuminate letters on the breastplate. And that would be decrypted and unscrambled and reassembled into the answer. So, for example, the book of Judges starts off with the war against the Philistines, the Canaanites. Which tribe should go first? So the tribe of Judah went first. Yehuda Ya'aleh, 
Judah will ascend. How did they know that? They asked the Kohen Gadol, via the Urim and the Tumim, and the letters for Yehuda Ya'aleh, Judah will ascend, illuminated. Now it's interesting that there were two parts of this. There were the Urim, which means the lights, the illumination of the letters, and the Tumim, which is the way to unscramble them. And thus, if you have a bunch of letters, you can assemble them into different words. And that was part of the prophecy of the Kohen Gadol to know exactly how to assemble those, those letters to provide the answer. So an example of this is the episode of Hannah, of Hannah. Hannah went to pray in the temple, which was, which was then in, in Shiloh, right? And the high priest, which is Ailey, he thought she was drunk. <laughs> How did he think she was drunk? Because that's what the letters of the of the Choshen illuminated to make him to make him think. But really, he he unscrambled it and reassembled it in the wrong way. And I've heard various versions of this. Either he he read it as she Korah, which means she's a drunk. Those same letters can be reassembled into Kishera, she is righteous, or Kisara, she is like Sarah. That's an example of the duality of this particular part of the Choshen. Again, the, the Choshen has the breastplate, but has a back flap in which the Urim and the Tumim are placed. Now, the process for asking a question, submitting a question to the Urim and the Tumim, was such. The Kohen Gadol would face the ark, and the questioner was behind him. And the questioner would whisper the question in a way that it was inaudible to the Kohen Gadol. And the Kohen Gadol would have to understand via prophecy the exact nature of the question, and then see what letters are illuminated on the Choshen, and then use that to decrypt it and to reassemble them into the answer. And again, this can only be used by a king or by, you know, a large body of, of people. You can't just have anyone, hey, what are the, what are the winning lottery letters or lottery numbers? Help me. It was, it was used very selectively because this really is direct prophecy or not quite the highest level of prophecy, but a, a low grade prophecy. Now, the me'il, which is the robe, as we mentioned, it had 72 golden bells and ringers and pomegranates made out of wool side by side on the bottom of the me'il. Why did Aaron and subsequent high priests, why did they have to have this form of noise-making upon their garments? So the Ramban says, because they, they walk around in the sanctuary of God. And you don't barge into the king's presence without announcing yourself first. And therefore, wherever he walked, there was the dingling sound of the mill to announce his arrival. The Talmud tells us that the mill, the robe, atones for gossip. Why? This is the noise-making garment, and therefore it atones for noise-making as well. Now, you can even add that Aaron is the one to do that. You know, the root of gossip, when you say bad things about other people, that reveals that you have bad feelings towards other people. 
Aaron is the only person that we know of that the Torah testifies that he had no bad feelings towards anyone, and therefore he's the one to show us how to avoid envy and thus how to avoid gossip. So that's Mitzvah number 99. We went through some of the vestments, some of the garments of the Kohen Gadol, and this is a mitzvah for us to have this nation. We have a temple, we have a tabernacle, and there's a high priest. He has to be garbed in the specific garments outlined over here in the Torah. And the minor priests, the ordinary Kohanim, they too must follow that protocol. And then we have mitzvah number 100, and that is that the Choshen has to be affixed to the ephod, and they're connected, as we mentioned, with a gold chain. And then finally, mitzvah number 101 relates to the me'il, which is the robe, the Torah says about it, it cannot be torn or cut in any way. You can't use scissors, you can't use, you can't rip the, the hems of the me'il. Now it's really interesting that there's a standalone mitzvah to not rip or tear the robe, and the commentaries tell us that there is a lesson to it, and that is that the robe, as we mentioned earlier, it deals with speech. It has those sounds, on the bottom, and it atones for gossip. And it's a, a lesson and a reminder for us that our mouth also should not be ripped and torn. Don't open up your mouth to say things that are inappropriate. And certainly the Kohen Gadol, who is embodying the spiritual representation of our people, and he is trying to seek atonement and forgiveness, he must always remember that the me'il corresponds to the mouth, be very, very careful when you want to open it up, when you want to rip open your mouth. Be very careful. You don't rip and tear the robe. And that should remind you to never rip or tear your mouth, to open it needlessly, unnecessarily, or to say things that are problematic. So that is uh, mitzvah number 101. And these are the mitzvahs related to the vestments. And we hope, of course, to one day be privy to actually witnessing what this looked like, to be able to see the Kohen Gadol in all his splendor, and again to see these garments of royalty on the Kohen Gadol, a Kohen Gadol bedecked in royalty, and to live up to that aspiration that we have as a nation, to remember that we are all special, we're unique, we are princes and princesses, and we have God in our midst. As always, questions, comments, and feedback can be sent to rabbiwalby at gmail.com.